Welcome and thank you for the 50th episode of Spurbserves. I, n- I never would have thought I'd get this far in this number of, of Spurbserves ep- episodes. And by the way, thank you guys for listening. There's a lot of, I'm surprised how many listeners there are. So I appreciate it all. And so we have a special one today. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite formulas, Shui Fu Zhu Yu Tang. Uh, drive out stasis from the mansion of blood decoction. And as always, I am your host, Dr. Greg Sperber. So this episode is quite a special one. It is our 50th episode. Ooh, that was loud. <laughs> we will be covering a very interesting, one of my favorite formulas, Choi Fuju Yutang, or Drive Out Stasis from the Mansion of Blood Decoction. This is a great formula for pain in the chest, and I frequently use the modifications, which we're going to talk about, for treating low back pain in many of my patients. And as usual, we will be exploring something a little different today. We're going to be talking about the author of this formula and uh, why, why it's so special and why he was so special. So keep listening to this very special episode. I used special a lot because it is special. Thank you. All right. Before we get into that today, I just wanted to talk about today's deal. Uh, It it is my favorite course, uh, at least until I do this one, of course. It is called Why Not How Herbs Work. And this is just, it's interesting because we spend a lot of time about how herbs work. This one is not about the how, it's about the why. Why do even herbs work on human bodies? I mean, why do they have any effect on us whatsoever? This explains that. It's really interesting. It's a special course for those of us who have asked, why do herbs even help us? In other words, why do they have any effect on humans at all? We explore some really interesting territory in this course, including philosophy, talking about holism and reductionism, ecology, talking about Gaia theory, Evolution, including specific concepts like coherent coupling and plant-human coalitions, and explain why herbs may do different things at different doses. That's called hormesis and xenohormesis. And we will discuss the implications of each of these on current herb research and usage. This is an amazing jury that answers fundamental questions about herbalism and is an absolutely can't-miss webinar. If you hurry, you can get this webinar for one-third off. Instead of $30 for this two-hour continuing education course, it is only $20. Just go to www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's integrativemedicinecouncil.org. To get this deal, this, this third off deal. So great deal. Um, my, like my favorite. It is a great course. Okay. So with that, why don't we talk about the author of today's today's formula? His name is Wang Qingren. As a continuation of our discussion of famous doctors, here is a late Chinese entry. He was born in 1768 and lived until 1831 during the Qing Dynasty. Now, you know, 1768 to 1831. Now, think about that. Put that in some context. I mean, this is sort of the height of, of uh, the Renaissance movement. There's been a lot, you know, the 1600s that started. In the 1700s, it really, there was a, you know, 1670, late 1600s, early 1700s, going into the late 1700s, early 1800s. We have the Renaissance in the West, a lot going on, a lot of questioning of previous material. Um, but for Chinese medicine, this is very late in the development of, of Chinese medicine. He's He's almost modern in, in terms of Chinese medicine. So 1768 <coughs> until 1831. Very interesting. And But he's doing the same thing. He's questioning the old rules. He grew up studying martial arts. And like, this is according. What I found really interesting is there's very few. Um, Chen and Chen, one of our textbooks that we talk about uh, on every episode. And by the way, I talk about Chen and Chen uh, for both. Uh, individual herbs and for formulas they have two separate textbooks this one is the formula book that we're going to be talking about today and then we're also going to be talking about shy that's the other textbook that's the uh, giant tome um, for formulas as well so these are both a formulas textbook so chen chen uh, they both had entries on wang ching ren that's how found how fundamentally is to this 
to this formula, but also just to modern Chinese medical thinking. And so I'm going to be quoting both of them as we, we talk about Wang Qingren. And this is from Chen and Chen. Uh, he grew up studying martial arts and later pursued the study of traditional Chinese medicine. Because of his martial arts background, he had a good understanding of human anatomy. Wang suspected many errors in the ancient texts. He was the first person of his era to question traditional wisdom. It's not done in Chinese culture. To confirm his opinions, he personally observed the internal organs of corpses, of executed convicts, and the deserted bodies of children who had died from epidemics. But that may sound a little bit off, but this is you know kind of how it's done. I mean, even in the West, it was a lot of convicts um, that were uh, you know dissected, so uh, part of the punishment, sort of. So after years of observation, Wang published Yilin Gai Tsuo, or Corrections of Errors Among Physicians, in 1830, so really just a year before his death. In this text, he drew 25 precise illustrations of human anatomy from different angles and depth. Furthermore, he based on his findings, he, he accurately pointed out many errors among medical texts at the time, such as the presence of the pancreas and diaphragm, corrected the mistaken notion that the liver was in the left hypochondrium, it's not, it's in the right, and stated that it is the brain that thinks, not the heart. We know that now, but they didn't necessarily know that then. And, and I want to just, I want to emphasize this pancreas, because this is really important. This is, to me, this is really uh, important in Chinese medicine, because in Chinese medicine, we often talk about the spleen has been the main digestive organ, more so even than the stomach. The spleen and stomach are, are fairly similar. Um, I, I mean, not in what they do, but the, in, in the digestive function. Uh, the spleen is really important in digestion in Chinese medicine. It makes no sense whatsoever in Western medicine that the spleen would be involved in Chinese medicine. But he talked about the pancreas. And the pancreas, if you understand, the pancreas lies just below the spleen. So I think the ancients um, would see the spleen, you know, the way they did anatomy was you're on the battlefield, you get cut open, doctor goes in and takes a look. Um, so they saw the spleen, figured out, that the pancreas just below the spleen actually is really important to digestion. So, but they were mistaking it that it, uh, the, the spleen was damaged, but it was actually the pancreas right below it. In fact, some texts called the pancreas, um, well, said the tail of the spleen. The spleen is sort of an odd shaped balloon. There's no tail to it at all, but the pancreas is triangular. It's right below it. It looks like it could look like it's the tail of the spleen. So I think it's really important. This pancreas is super important because it explains a lot about Chinese medicine and why the spleen might be associated with digestion so much. Okay, continuing with the, the quote from Wang from Chen Chen. Uh, Wang also said that treating disease without knowing the internal organs is like a blind man walking in the dark. I, I like that quote. Wang was harshly criticized for his boldness and his works were not recognized for a long time. He, he basically was trying to go against the, the order of things. So and they, they usually get arrows in the back when they do that. People do. Wang parlayed his uncommon understanding of human anatomy to develop the use of blood-moving formulas to treat blood stasis disorders. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So that was Chen Chen's take on Wang Qingren. Here's Shai and his team's take. Uh, and, and he had a quite a bit to say about this remarkable physician as well. Uh, the early 19th century physician, Wang Qingren, was without doubt one of the most innovative physicians in the history of Chinese medicine. Inquisitive and reflecting the pervasive critical attitude that Qing Dynasty scholars had developed regarding the sources of their tradition, Wang Qingren is widely credited with having reintroduced a focus on anatomy into medical debates, well before the large-scale influx of Western medicine into China, which really didn't happen not quite about 100 years, you know, maybe 70 or 80 years in the future of Wang Qingren. You know, it was like late 1800s is when that happened. Given the legal and moral context of his time, however, his investigations were limited to observing the bodies of children who had died in epidemics and were buried in shallow graves and then dug up by dogs, of criminals that had been executed, and of dissected animals. This allowed him to criticize the portrayal of the body as depicted in the Han Dynasty medical classics. However, his own alternative model was soon after shown to be equally flawed by Western anatomical texts. This, this kind of reminds me of the, the big 
uh, anatomical initial like anatomical text, which we talked about from Galen in like the second century BCE, um, excuse me, second century CE. Um, so that's still 1600 years before this. Um, and, and that became the de facto standard of anatomy until Renaissance for like 14, 1500 years. And that was the big book they questioned here. Um, you know, he's the initial kind of guy. Galen was the initial kind of guy to look at anatomy and, and associate with, with medicine. And he got a lot of things wrong. Not a lot of things right, but he got a lot of things wrong. And here is in the, in the East, in, in Asia, Wang Qingren basically doing the same thing later. I mean, they, their anatomy was, I think, in a lot of ways ahead of Galen um, earlier. So I'm not trying to compare Galen with Wang Qingren. But um, the idea is that he's questioning what was thought was, you know, what the pervasive thoughts were on, on anatomy. And uh, he got stuff wrong, which all reflects peer review. Peer review being good. So let's, let's continue this. So among his anatomical findings was a pool of blood that was located at the bottom of the chest and above the diaphragm. He posited that this is the spot where the essential fluids were transformed into blood and thus called it the mansion of blood or shui fu. So that's interesting because you're going to find it's not exactly correct, but that's where this formula that we're talking about comes from. So his approach to medicine. So Wang could not find any anatomical evidence for the connections through which classical texts linked various organ systems. We, we do that a lot in Chinese medicine, the yin-yang organ systems, the meridians in the organ systems. On the other hand, he felt that the various qi and blood carrying and producing structures that he noted were clearly interconnected with the organs. Based on this observation, he posited that deficiency and stagnation of qi and blood were the underlying causes of all diseases. Making decisions regarding the treatment of diseases rooted in understanding the qi and blood. This is a quote from his text. Whether one discusses externally contracted disorders or those due to internal damage, it is essential to establish, establish which of these two substances is damaged in each patient at the onset of the disorder. At the onset, what is damaged are not the organs, nor the sinews and bones, nor the skin and flesh, but in each case, the qi and blood. Pretty foundational in Chinese medicine. Going back to Shide's uh, treatise on Wang Qingren, uh, Shide and his team, in, in line with his emphasis on anatomy, I, Wang argued that pulse diagnosis was unreliable and that only those symptoms that could be directly observed and linked to the distribution of qi and blood counted as evidence. Now, this is revolutionary. Even today, this would be revolutionary to say that the pulse is not primary. For blood stasis, for instance, he listed 50 different symptoms derived from his own clinical experience. Interest, interestingly, he did not include inspection of the tongue, one of the most commonly used methods for diagnosing blood stasis today. Here's two foundational diagnostic tools that we still use today. We have blood, uh, tongue diagnosis and pulse diagnosis. I call pulse diagnosis the MRI of Chinese medicine. I call tongue diagnosis the CT scan of, of Chinese medicine. Still incredibly important today. He furthermore arranged these symptoms into three primary groups according to the system in which the blood stasis was mainly located. The exterior, encompassing the head, skin, and blood vessels. The mansion of blood, the chest above the diaphragm and the abdomen below the diaphragm. For the mansion of blood, he provided this analysis. When the blood in the mansion of blood becomes static and therefore no, is no longer vigorous, this is most difficult to diagnose. Fever in the latter half of the day that becomes more severe during the first half of the night, abates during the later half of the night and completely disappears during the first half of the, half of the day, indicates blood stasis in the mansion of blood. With a milder blood stasis, these four stages are not clearly separated. The patient becomes feverish only during the two periods before and after sunset. If it is even milder, the fever occurs only during one of these periods. In all cases of blood stasis, I am saying that internal fever is accompanied by a hot body. All right, so that was the introduction to, to uh, the author of this formula. Let's get into the formula itself. It's an important formula. Shui Fu Yu Tang is translated as drive out stasis from the mansion of blood decoction. That's a direct translation. 
Uh, and uh, as an explainer note uh, with Scheid, he says a, a, a passage, Scheid and his team, I should never forget his team, uh, a passage in chapter 17 of basic questions. So basic questions refers to the Wangdi uh, Neijing Su Wen, which is uh, the Yellow Emperor's classic of internal medicine, basic questions. Su Wen means basic questions. And so this is really the oldest existing book on Chinese medicine. And, you know, I, I think it's a little facetious to say this, but often considered the Bible of Chinese medicine, even though, and it actually kind of came out, you know, 2,200 years ago. So, you know, it's, it's old. Uh, almost biblical, <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's aging. So um, a passage in chapter 17 of Basic Questions observes that the vessels are the mansions of the blood. The 18th century physician Wang Qingren borrowed the name to denote the, uh, the uh, they are above the diaphragm that formed an enclosed space or mansion that he believed was filled with blood. This formula treats the symptoms that Wang Qingren attributed to blood stasis in this area. So we've got to remember this is above the diaphragm. So in Chinese medical terms, this is the upper burner or upper jowl um, of, of uh, Chinese medicine. So that's where he thinks the stasis is. And that's important. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Other names uh, in, in this are actually, there's one in Wade Giles, exactly pronounced exactly the same, but spelled differently. I'm not going to uh, pronounce it. Uh, it can also be called blood house, blood stasis, dispelling decoction, and Persica and Carthamus combination. Uh, so those are two of the chief herbs. We'll talk about those in just a few minutes. The formula is in the subcategory of formulas that invigorate the blood and dispel blood stasis. Makes sense with everything we've said so far. Under the category of formulas that regulate the blood. So there's the chapter, the, the category of formulas regulate the blood, and then the subcategory is invigorate the blood and dispel blood stasis. Chen Chen is very similar. They translate it slightly differently. Places it in the subcategory of blood invigorating and stasis removing formulas under the category of blood regulating formulas. So very similar blood regulating formulas. Okay. So what does it mean to actually regulate the blood and to do all this? Let's talk about that a little bit before we get into more specifics in this formula. So Scheid has, uh, has really good explanations of sort of the the categories and why they are categories. So, uh, you know, why it's important clinically. So here, he, here he's talking about the regulate the blood herbs and then he gets into the, the invigorate the blood herbs as well. The formulas in this chapter focus on treating the blood or shui. Blood in Chinese medicine is a physiological essence whose nature is similar but not identical to that of blood in biomedicine. Most importantly, blood in Chinese medicine, like everything else in the organism, is not primarily defined in terms of its structural composition, but in terms of its function. That's why blood, not qi, can be like qi, excuse me. That is why blood, like qi, can be regulated. Such regulation encompasses improving its dynamic, but also its quality as one determines the other. Blood that has become too thick moves in a sluggish manner, while sluggish movement invariably leads to a thickening of the substance. The formulas here have the ability to treat the blood directly. In this, they differ from other formulas, such as those that clear heat, warm the interior, moisten dryness, that also have an effect on the blood, but achieve this effect indirectly, that is, via the regulation of yang qi or the enrichment of body fluids. Formulas that invigorate the blood, so that was the category of, of regulate blood formulas. Now we're going to talk about formulas that invigorate the blood. So this is the subcategory that this formula is in. Formulas that invigorate the blood and dispel blood stasis are used in treating patterns of blood stagnation and blood stasis, which represent progressive stages in the impairment and blockage of the flow of blood. When the movement of blood in the channels and collaterals is merely impaired or sluggish, but not yet at a standstill, this condition may be termed blood stagnation or shui jiu, However, that should be jir, shui, jir, both are forthcoming. However, if for various reasons the flow of blood becomes more completely blocked or static, the condition is termed blood stasis or shui, yu, yu, shui, yu, so that's fourth tone shui, and yu is first tone. This process is described as one of congealing, which is traditional Chinese, in traditional Chinese medicine has been metaphorically compared 
the process of silt deposition in the channel bottom of a sluggish river. Actually, there's a lot of uh, modern blood. I mean, that's kind of like blood doesn't move. That's kind of what happens in biomedical sense, too. Maybe not so poetically. Many contemporary textbooks no longer distinguish between these two terms, the blood stasis and blood stagnation. However, and simply apply the term blood stasis to all problems of blood circulation. Ideas regarding the nature and treatment of blood stasis in Chinese medicine have a long history, but some of the most commonly prescribed formulas are of relatively recent origin. So this isn't a new condition, but a lot of the herbal formulas are on the newer side of things. The inner classic, for instance, so that is the Wangdi Neijing, the inner, the, the, uh, just it, it can be translated different ways, but the Yellow Emperor's in classic of internal medicine or inner classic is how it's usually translated. The inner classic, for instance, does not talk about blood stasis, but discusses, discusses problems of blood circulation by means of a vocabulary that refers to the qualitative degeneration of blood as an entity of physiological function as much as it does to its movement. So it's not just about movement being sluggish, but the actions, the quality of the blood being sluggish. Pathological states characterized by noxious blood, a shui, lingering blood, liu shui, or blood excess, shui shi, occur when the relationship between qi and blood is not harmonized. They can be regulated by means of treatment strategies that encompass dredging or jue, reducing or shui, this is the same word, X-U-E, that we've been using for blood, but for blood, it's fourth tones, or shui. And this one, it's first tone, shui. So tones mean everything in Chinese um, language. So just introducing that concept yet again. So reducing shui, dispersing san, and attacking gong. These are all ways you can deal with sluggish blood. The term static blood, yu shui, or Shui Yu, either way, itself appears for the first time in Chapter 16 of Essentials from the Golden Cabinet. So the Essentials for the Golden Cabinet is about 400, maybe 500 years after the Inner Classic, but it is the foundational text for herbal formulas. It's the oldest existing herbal formula book. We have individual herb book that is uh, about the same time, um, but this is so this is an important, really important book for formulas. It's author, the late Han Dynasty physician Zhang Zhang Jing who we've talked about in herbs, herbs, composed a number of formulas for its treatment and outlined key diagnostic markers that have proven their value until the present day, so still used. These include dryness of the mouth with no desire to drink, a subjective sensation of fullness in the lower abdomen, and dryness and discoloration of the skin. Later physicians added new formulas and discussed the pathophysiology of blood stasis in more detail but it was not until the Qing Dynasty that two more radical innovations redefined the field. The first was the distinction between stagnation in the channels and collaterals, which was elaborated by Ye Tianshi in the early 18th century. Ye attributed stagnation to the, in the channels primarily to qi, and that of stagnation in the collaterals as centered primarily on blood. So <coughs> channels and collaterals, so think of channels as, as the big vessels for qi, and the collaterals as kind of the smaller vessels, usually for qi, but remember qi and blood, they flow together. So even though we're saying collaterals here are centered primarily on the blood, but think of uh, you know the channels as being the bigger uh, vessels, big bigger um, vessels and collaterals being smaller ones, I think is the bottom line here. He argued that stasis of blood in the collaterals requires the use of substances that are acrid or spicy, but not drying, and suggested that animal medicinals are imminently suitable for this purpose. A more radical path of innovation was charted by the 19th century physician Wang Qingren. That's our, our dude for today. Based on anatomical observations, Wang proposed to overhaul the entire anatomy of the inner classic and define the treatment of blood stasis as the cornerstone of a medicine based on these new definitions. Wang's revolutionary spirit and his focus on blood a substance that was more easily aligned, easily aligned to biomedical understandings of the body than qi has contributed to the enormous popularity of his works in contemporary China. In Chinese medicine, the term blood stasis implies more than blood that has congealed and no longer flows as it should. It no denotes all blood that has become noxious or uh, 
uh, that is blood that impedes physiological function. Key signs and symptoms of such stasis include palpable and mobile masses, abscesses and ulcers, loss of hair or brittle hair, purple lips, dark discoloration of the sclera, that's the white of the eyes, purple spots on the tongue, or a darkish tongue, and a choppy, submerged, tight, or wiry pulses. So those are all very Chinese medical concepts. We, we talk about the pulse, but not, not in depth on those. Those are specific types of, of pulses. In practice, however, the use of blood invigorating formulas covers a far wider spectrum of clinical signs and symptoms. Wang Ren, for example, lists 50 different symptoms that can be treated with just one of his formulas. This is because blood, like qi, is the essential foundation of all physiological processes, and its disorders will thus be reflected in almost every body system. Patterns of blood stasis are qualified and differentiated in terms of, of the various yin and yang organs involved, etiological factors of cold, heat, deficiency, and excess, different qualities of disharmony expressed in terms of acute, chronic, mild, and severe, and unusual symptoms such as swelling, pain, and urgency. Prominent among the etiological factors that contribute to the occurrence of blood stagnation or stasis are the following. Uh, first, qi disharmony, including both deficient and stagnant qi, may lead to blood stagnation. Since qi, this is a quote, qi is the commander of the blood and qi leads the blood. When the qi is unable to properly move the blood, it may stagnate in the channel. Blood deficiency, another possibility is blood deficiency is also intrinsically related to blood stasis. Blood that is deficient readily becomes static and in turn static blood interferes with the production of new blood. Without the production of new blood, it is very different, di very difficult to dispel blood stasis. And this can lead to a vicious cycle. Another etiological factor is cold inhibits the free movement of blood and will gradually produce blood stasis with such manifestations as delayed ma uh, menstruation with clots, fixed abdominal masses, and amenorrhea or the lack of menstruation, any of which may be accompanied by abdominal distension and pain. Another etiological factor is heat influences the blood when it occurs in organs that have an intimate relationship with the blood or when it enters the nutritive or blood levels of the body. So that's talking about the four levels, which is a way that to describe how a disease enters the body. This may produce blood stagnation by steaming or drying the blood, which causes it to thicken and by the tendency of thickened blood to become stagnant and congeal. Heat may also induce reckless movement of blood such, as, as such that it leaves the vessels and produces rash, nosebleed, vomiting or spitting up of blood, coughing up blood, and blood in the urine or stool. We call that reckless blood. And there are other etiologies of blood stasis which include traumatic injury, the birthing process, and surgery. Because of the variety of etiological factors and clinical manifestations, practitioner must be flexible in adapting the formula to fit the particular circumstances of the case. It is important to remember that because the properties of this class of formulas are quite strong for attacking firm and congealed conditions in order to break up and drain them, they should be prescribed with caution in the weak or elderly or in patients with patterns of deficiency. Because some of the formulas strongly invigorate the blood and dispel blood stasis, they are contraindicated during pregnancy and in most cases involving excessive menstrual bleeding. Nor should they be used in patients with bleeding diathesis, which just means disorders, bleeding disorders, or any active hemorrhagic disorder. So that's sort of an overview of the category. Let's get more specific into what the formula actually does, starting with its actual actions according to the textbooks. Chinese teams say this formula invigorates the blood, dispels blood stasis, we've been talking about that all along, spreads the chi of the liver and then blocks the channels. And Chen Chen says it activates blood circulation and dispels blood stagnation and activates chi circulation and relieves pain. So one of the things we haven't talked about is that pain from a Chinese perspective is always caused by a stagnation of either chi and or blood. And so that if you have blood stasis, there's almost, you're almost assured to have pain associated with it as well. 
there are lots of indications for this formula. Uh, and, and they differ slightly between the two textbooks. So Scheid uh, textbook and his team say this formula can be used for pain in the chest and hypochondria. That's what it's designed for. Uh, chronic stubborn headache with a fixed piercing quality. Chro you know, you may think, okay, headache, this is good for headaches. No, stubborn headache with a fixed piercing quality. That fixed piercing quality is specific to blood stasis. There's lots of different causes of headache but they won't have this fixed piercing quality, only blood stasis will. Uh, chronic incessant hiccup, a choking sensation when drinking, dry heaves, depression or low spirits accompanied by a sensation of warmth in the chest, palpitations, insomnia, restless sleep, irritability, extreme mood swings, evening tidal fever, a dark red tongue, dark spots on the sides of the tongue, darker purplish lips, complexion or sclera, and a choppy or wiry tight pulse. Those are according to Scheid. We have some more. This is blood stasis in the mansion of blood, shui fu, with impairment of blood flow in the area above the diaphragm. Stasis of blood obstructs the movement of qi in the chest, which manifests as pain in the chest and hypochondria. The obstruction also prevents the clear yang from ascending to the head, causing a chronic stubborn headache. Blockage of the flow of blood in the channels from localized blood stasis produces a characteristically fixed and piercing type of headache pain. The blood stasis obstructs the stomach. The stomach chi may rebel upward and manifest as incessant, as incessant hiccup, a choking sensation when drinking, or dry heave. Long-term blood, this is all explaining those, those symptoms, those uh, indications. Long-term blood stasis tends to transform into heat and constrain chi tends to transform into fire. Blood stasis may also obstruct the blood vessels and prevent nourishment from reaching the heart. This combination of stasis, heat, and malnourishment of the heart may cause depression or low spirits, accompanied by a sensation of warmth in the chest, palpitations, which is an awareness of one's heartbeat, insomnia, restless sleep, irritability, extreme mood swings, and even tidal fever. So tidal fever means Kind of, it comes and goes often in the, in the late afternoon. And finally, he says, the dark red tongue, dark spots on the sides of the tongue, dark or purplish appearance of the lips, complexion or sclera, and the choppy or wiry and tight pulse are all typical signs of chronic blood stasis and constrained liver chi. The liver is, is the organ that moves the chi. So often when there's constrained chi, it affects the liver. And the liver is also very involved with blood as well. So it makes sense that that's sort of the, the connection point for blood and chi. So Chen and Chen similarly say it can be used for in still going indications, but this is Chen and Chen's indications. So blood stagnation in the chest and obstructed blood circulation, chronic stabbing pain, uh, stabbing pain at a fixed location in the chest and or the head, uh, hypochondriac pain, chronic and constant hiccups, dry heaves or vomiting after intake of water, palpitations, insomnia, restless sleep, fidgeting, bad temper, tidal fever in the evenings, dark red tongue body with the tachea spots on the top or the sides. That means little those little red spots, that's the tachea, a reddish purple. Uh, dark lips, dark eyes, and a rough or wiry tight pulse. So that's the Chinese medical indications of Chen Chen Chen, similar to Shai's team. So the history of this is, is actually, like I, like I said, this is a fairly modern formula. We, we already mentioned it was written by Wang Qi Ren in 1830, uh, and they both agree, both of our textbooks agree, uh, and it was the book that we talked about earlier, Yi Lin Gai Zuo, or Corrections of Errors Among Physicians. So not a lot of, uh, not a long history, you know, 100 and, uh, almost 200 years, uh, which in Chinese terms is not super long, uh, but still really important formula for us. So let's talk about the ingredients. So the, the first ingredient we're going to talk about is uh, persica semen. Uh, so that is uh, peach pits, actually peach seeds, peach pits, uh, or dao ren in Chinese, and there should be 12 grams of it in this formula. Uh, and dao ren is in herbs that regulate the blood. So we're going to see a lot of the herbs that we're talking about are regulate the blood herbs. And traditionally, it breaks up blood stasis and moistens the intestines and unblocks the bowels. And this is, for this formula, is one of the three chief herbs 
all three of which invigorate the blood and dispel blood stasis, particularly in the upper part of the body. We're gonna, herbs can direct their, their effects to different places of the body. So the three chief herbs, this is the first of those, all go to the upper part of the body and all help with blood stasis and invigorating the blood. Second one, uh, second chief herb is the Carthamy floss or Honghua. This is actually the safflower. Um, you know, it is actually the flower, not the seeds, the safflower. Um, and, and they look like little red threads. Honghua means red um, flower, basically. And uh, nine grams of this is what is uh, necessary for this formula. And again, this is an herb that regulates blood. And Dalren and Honghua are often a pair. So this is a, a, a capital, you know, the, these two often go together. And remember, we said one of the alternative names for this is actually the common names for both of these. The, what was it, Persica and Carthami uh, formula or something along those lines. So uh, these are the two uh, big, uh, there's one more chief herb after this. Uh, this, it is in the regulate blood category uh, of herbs and invigorates the blood, dispels stasis, and unblocks menstruation. So that's a good one. So rather than go to the third herb, I, I just list these in the same order that Scheid and his team has put them. Not always making sense. So we're going to go to a deputy herb and then we're going to go back to uh, a chief herb. Uh, actually, let me, no, we're going to do it that way because that's how it is on my thing here. So uh, the, the deputy herb that we're going to talk about, super important herb, is Angelica sinensis radix or Dongue, which is uh, a uh, really important herb. And it is in the tonify the blood category. You need nine grams of it in this formula. So it's in the tonify blood category. So rather than regulating the blood, it's tonifying blood. Remember we said deficiency of blood can cause sta stasis. So this is making sure that isn't happening. And traditionally, it nourishes the blood, disperses cold, invigorates and harmonizes the blood regulates menses, treats cough, and moistens the intestines and unblocks the bowels. So this is a deputy, and it invigorates the blood. As we see here, it invigorates and harmonizes the blood and regulates menstruation. So this is invigorating the blood, also making sure it's not deficient. Um, and the other thing that's interesting about this is it focuses in the lower body. So our three chief herbs, upper body, this is lower body. Happens a lot in Chinese formulas of opposites, just to make sure things don't go too far in one direction or another. So it's a good combination to have that in here. Okay, let's talk about, and I unfortunately I skipped over it on the, on the slide, so those of you watching. Um, the next one is Chuanxiang rhizoma, or Chuanxiang, uh, 4.5 grams for this, and this is in the regulate the blood category. So all three, remember, all three of the chief herbs regulate the blood and direct the effects to the upper body. This is that as well. There's no, um, as far as I know, uh, I, I can't remember the common name for it. It's kind of pretty much in, in Chinese. So Chuanxiang is, is the, the name. And like the Latin name is Chuanxiang rhizoma. So that, that just tells you it just was not known in the West at all. Um, very important blood invigorating herb, regulating herb. It invigorates the blood, promotes the movement of qi, expels wind, and alleviates pain. And there we go. That is Chuanxiang. So our fifth herb that we're talking about is another herb that regulates the blood, Paonia radix rubra. This is Chershaw. We've talked about Baishao uh, in the past. So Chershaw is here. That's red peony. Um, Baishao is white peony. So this is red peony. Six grams are needed for this. This is in the regulate the blood herb category as well. And its functions are to invigorate the blood, dispels blood stasis, clears heat, and cools the blood. And it is the second deputy that also invigorates the blood and also has a focus in a focus lower in the body as well. So it does, it, um, both of the deputies so far go to the lower end of the body. Our next herb is Acaranthi radix or Nyoshi, nine grams. Now, it says Acaranthus radix, Nyoshi, but in actuality, there was a note in um, Shide where this came from, and Chen Chen just went straight to this herb. It's actually, um, today it's used, what's used is Chuan Noshi, or Radix Cyathula, or Cyathula Radix, uh, and uh, that is really what's used rather than Nyoshi. There's two that are kind of Nyoshi, um, and Chuan Nyoshi is the one, and that's the one that I usually use as well, so I think that's an important one, and it is a regulate the blood herb. Uh, it's a great herb for, uh, again, downward movement. So it, it kind of aims downward. 
So it invigorates the blood and unblocks menses, expels wind, and drains dampness. This is a deputy that improves the circulation by eliminating blood stasis and inducing the downward movement of blood. So even though we're, we're kind of looking at this place that's upwards and we have our chief herbs going up to address it, we are talking about circulation. So making sure it moves up and down is important in this formula. And we see the herbs that do that. So we have um, Bupleuri radix or chai hu. This is a super commonly used herb. It's in the category of cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. So it, it actually has that spiciness that we talked about a little bit earlier. But um, even though it's in that category, it's often used to regulate chi. It's a really useful chi regulating herb as well. In this case, we're using a little bit of it. Three grams is, is a relatively small dose of this. So, um, you know, it's not a main herb. It's definitely not a chief herb. It's not even a deputy herb. It's an assistant herb. We'll talk about that in just a second. So traditionally, uh, chai hu resolves lesser yang disorders and reduces fever, spreads liver chi and relieves constraint, and raises and lifts the yang chi, specifically the clear chi of the stomach and gallbladder. This is an assistant herb, as I mentioned, which smooths the flow of liver chi, relieves constraint, and raises the clear yang. And remember, we talked about static blood can prevent the raising of the clear yang. So this is actually very useful in this formula to move some liver chi, which probably needs to move a little bit if you have some static blood. So it's a good addition to this formula. That's chai hu. Our next formula, uh, next herb is interesting. It's um, platycote radix, jigong, 4.5 grams. And it warms herbs. Uh, it's a warm herb that transforms cold phlegm. So this is interesting. We usually think of this in terms of coughing. You know, there's phlegm in the lungs. So why are we using it here? Let's find out. Uh, its traditional functions are opens up and disseminates the lung chi, dispels phlegm and benefits the throat, pushes out pus and opens up and raises the lung chi while also directing the actions of the herbs to the upper regions of the body. So none of those functions make any sense in this formula except for that last one, directing the actions of other herbs to the upper regions of the body. And this is an assistant, and as all the assistants, it smooths the flow of liver chi. Okay, there's a little bit of dispelling of the phlegm. Okay, disseminating of lung chi. Okay, there's a little bit of moving of, of lung chi, liver chi. Not one of the herbs I think of normally for moving liver chi. It does relieve constraint. When you have phlegm, you have constraint. So it relieves constraint and raises the clear yang. So again, we have that raising the clear yang, which, clear yang, which is important when you have blood stasis. Uh, next two herbs, we have aranti fructus or jirka, six grams. This is a regulate chi herb, and basically it promotes the flow of chi and is the third assistant, and except the assistants are good for moving the flow of chi. Makes sense. Our next herb is Romania radix, Shen Di Wang. We've talked a lot about this really important herb, nine grams. And it's uh, this and, and um, Shu Di Wang are just one's prepared, one's not prepared. This one, when it's unprepared, uh, is Sheng means fresh. So Sheng Di Wang is not really fresh, it's still dried, but it's, it's fresher than the Shu Di Wang, which is prepared. Uh, and this is in the herbs that cool the blood category. So it's cooling the blood. Remember, we said heat is an issue that happens with all stagnation. Stagnation will turn to heat. So having a little bit of cooling is a good idea here. Its traditional functions are clears heat and cools the blood, nourishes the yin and generates fluids. And this is the fourth deputy. So this is deputy above uh, assistant basically. And it cools the blood and clears heat, enables the formula to dispel blood stasis without injuring the yin and blood. So that's a good thing here. That's Cheng Di Wang. Finally, our last herb is uh, an herb we, we talk about a lot. It's in a lot of our formulas. That's Ritzerae radix or Gonsal licorice, uh, six grams. And this is in the herbs that tonify the chi category. Uh, that is not necessarily a bad function for this, but we're going to see a, another function for this as well. It tonifies the spleen and augments the chi. Tonifies the spleen and augments the chi again. Um, sometimes they will they will list these. Uh, Again, but I want to make sure that is not duplicate. Augments the chi, moistens the lungs and stops coughs, moderates spasms and alleviates pain. So remember we said whenever there's pain, there's stagnation. So there's some stagnation here. So it does something there. And here's a really big reason. This is the reason why it's in so many formulas. It has great functions, but this is a function that's really important. 
moderates and harmonizes the characteristics of other herbs. It, it kind of deharshes other herbs. So this is a good one. And in this case, it's an envoy, which is the lowest ranking of the herbs in the, in the family of herbs in the formula. Uh, this is an envoy for this formula, which regulates and harmonizes the actions of the other herbs. So that is why it's in this formula. There are some potentially harsh herbs if they go a little bit beyond what they're supposed to do. So this kind of takes the edge off of them. So it's a great, great addition to this formula. Okay. Let's talk about the preparation of this formula. Really straightforward. Both texts say to prepare this formula as a decoction. That's it. There's no powdering. There's no other ways to prepare it. Decoction is just boiling it and then uh, straining it and drinking it. And different people and different pr uh, practitioners will have different ways to boil and stuff. I think it's fairly straightforward. But a decoction is the way to take this formula. There's a lot of, com as you would imagine, there's a lot of commentary on this formula. In fact, a lot of what I talked about with the, the uh, doctor, uh, the, the author, was from the commentary. But here's more parts of the commentary for this formula. So according to Scheid and his team, Chinese medicine has long understood that any problem affecting the flow of qi will end up affecting the blood and vice versa. As reflected in the adage, blood is the mother of qi and qi the commander of blood. In the early 17th century, Wang Ken Tang wrote in Indispensable Tools for Pattern Treatment that if you want to adjust the blood, first adjust the qi. About 100 years later, Wu Cheng wrote in Collection of Versatility that for blood stagnation caused by qi, first move the qi. For qi stagnation caused by blood stasis, invigorating the blood is most important. Almost all of Wang Qingren's formulas focus on regulating the distribution of qi and blood in the body, paying close attention to the interconnection between the two systems. Blood stasis, for instance, will invariably lead to stagnation of qi. Because qi is hot by nature, this is experienced as fever and body heat. Qi stagnation, likewise, can cause blood stasis. But in this case, the blood congeals because it does not receive the warmth of the qi. These insights are clearly reflected in Wang Qingren's formulas for treating blood stasis. All of them move the qi as well as invigorate the blood. But in each case, the nature of the pathology is responded to by carefully adjusting both the nature and the dosage of the various herbs that act on the qi and blood. Choi Vuju Yutang, for instance, treats blood stasis that leads to qi stagnation. It thus uses a large dosage of blood invigorating, nourishing, and cooling herbs and a relatively small dosage of herbs that facilitate the qi dynamic and are cooling or neutral in temperature. Drive out stasis from the lower abdomen decoction, Shao Fuzhu Yutang, one of the associated formulas, is designed to treat blood stasis caused by cold, facilitates the movement of qi with acrid and warming herbs. We're going to talk about some of these uh, associated formulas, including this one, in just a bit. So modern use of this formula is still under commentary with Shide. Modern physicians value the clinical experience embodied in Wang Ching Ren's formulas, but reject the anatomical conjectures on which they are based. This has led to the curious situation where, in order to explain the effectiveness of this formula, some contemporary commentators have gone back to Chapter 17 of Basic Questions, where the blood vessels are defined as mansions of the blood. This allows them to argue that this formula unblocks the blood vessels. However, in doing so, they disregard the fact that Wang Qingren categorically stated that the blood vessels are not the mansion of blood. At present, this formula is most commonly used to treat chest pain due to blood stasis, which is accompanied by a dark red tongue and a choppy or wiry tight pulse. It is also used for problems of blood stasis in children, especially when pain, fever, and difficulty in sleeping develop after trauma. It is indicated for literally dozens of disorders that can be attributed to blood stasis in the vessels. In addition to the characteristic pain and tongue and pulse signs described above, other guidelines for its use include that the condition be chronic and accompanied by heat in the palms and soles due to long-term stasis transforming into heat. Furthermore, the skin is usually dry or even scaly. All right, so that is commentary. Let's talk about some of the main modifications for this formula. According to Chen Chen, there are four Zhu Yu Tang drive out stasis decoction formulas 
that are commonly used for similar conditions. All four formulas contain Chuanxiang, Rhizoma Chuanxiang, Dong Gui, Redix Angelica Sinensis, Dao Ren, Simum Persica, and Honghua Floss Carthami as key ingredients to activate blood, eliminate blood stasis, and relieve pain. So those, those four are the three chief ingredients in this formula. So we have Chuanxiang, we have Dao Ren, and we have Honghua. And as in Dong Gui, remember Dong Gui is the is the uh, blood tonic uh, herb in there. And it, it also moves. So those four are the commonalities between all the drive out stasis decoctions. So here are the main differences. So the first one is Shui Fuji Yutang. So that's the one that we're talking about today. Drive out stasis, the national blood decoction. Treats qi and blood stagnation in the upper jaw or upper burner to alleviate pain in the chest and hypochondria. I've got to talk about the three burners at some point in the near future uh, on, our, on our thing. But... Uh, they differentiate between um, basically the diaphragm and above is the upper burner between the diaphragm and the, and the umbilicus. So the belly button is the middle burner and below the belly, the umbilicus is the lower burner. And then we'll get into more specifics later, but that's that's important here. Okay, so Shui Fuju Yang, Shui Fuju Yutang is for upper burner blood stagnation, basically. Gusha Juyutang, or drive out blood stasis below the diaphragm decoction, treats qi and blood stagnation in the middle jowl, so the middle burner, uh, to alleviate pain below the diaphragm in areas such as the hypochondrium and the upper abdominal area. And then we have Xiao Fu Juyutang, or drive out blood stasis in the lower abdomen decoction, treats qi and blood stagnation with cold in the lower jowl, or lower burner, to address irregular menstruation, menstrual pain, and numerous gynecological disorders. So we have a separate formula, one for the upper jowl, upper burner, one for the middle burner, one for the lower burner. Makes perfect sense so far. And here's the fourth one. And this is my favorite. This is the one I use more probably than any of the other ones that we're talking about. Is Shentang Juyutang, or drive out blood stasis from a painful body decoction. And this treats qi and blood stagnation with obstruction of the channels and collaterals in the extremities to relieve aches and pains. And this is... The reason why I do this, I will prescribe this formula often when people have low back pain or just um, back pain in general, even upper back pain. It's really good for those, says those uh, aches and pains of life. So this is something that I've used quite a bit over the years with to good effect when I think there's some blood stasis causing some, some pain going on. So it's a great formula for that. But you do want that blood stasis there. Comparisons, uh, Shine and his team uh, have two formulas that they compare with today's formula. Neither formulas I've used, and I think they're relatively minor. I don't always know, like, just because I don't use them doesn't mean they're minor. They may be very popular in China, but I'm just, I'm not as familiar with them. Uh, and given time constraints today, we're, we're really pushing time. Uh, I'm just gonna mention them without going into any depth about them. Uh, the first one is Revive Health by Invigorating the Blood Decoction of Fu Yuan. Guo Shui Tang, and the other one is Inula Decoction or Shuan Fu Hua Tang. So those are the two comparison formulas. Let's get into biological indications for this. Excuse me, not biological, biomedical indications for this formula. This formula being relatively modern has a long list of biomedical indications in both of our texts. Scheid and, and his team say cardi cardiac and vascular disorders, including coronary artery disease, rheumatic valvular heart disease, hypertension, and choropulmonale, uh, which is uh, lung issues due to the heart uh, not pumping properly. Uh, structural disorders of the chest, including intercostal neuralgia, that's, that's uh, nerve pain between the, the, the ribs. Uh, costochondritis, which is inflammation of the sternum and thoracic strains. Neurologic, neurological and psychiatric disorders, including post-concussion syndrome, migraine, trigeminal neuralgia, depression, and psychosis, uh, perimenopausal syndrome, primary dysmenorrhea, uh, that's painful menstruation, chronic hepatitis, uh, infection of the liver, peptic ulcers, and urticaria. Those are, are um, man, I'm totally blanking on it, but um, allergic reactions, basically. And then it says, uh, and that's Shide Chen and Chen, uh, say it's useful for coronary heart disease, angina pectoris, hypertension, rheumatic heart disease, thrombosis or clots, embolism clots, cardiac ischemia, ischemia which is a lack of oxygen going to the heart, bradyarrhythmia, slow heartbeat, stroke, concussion, post-concussion syndrome, 
cerebral atherosclerosis, so that is, is uh, disease, you know, vascular disease in the, in the, in the brain. Pneumothorax, physical injury to the chest, hepatitis, pancreatitis, headache, vascular headache, insomnia, phlebitis, mammary gland hyperplasia, that's where the, the mammary glands in the, in the breasts uh, grow, grow too much, pelvic inflammatory disease, schizophrenia again, uh, we said psychosis before, schizophrenia is a type of psychosis, functional neurosis, endometriosis, and amenorrhea or lack of menstruation. So it could be useful for all of those, according to Chen Chen. Talk about the science. This is an interesting formula. Um, Chen Chen references several studies. Uh, cardiac ischemia had an N. I'm going to talk about number N equals 84. So 84 is a good amount of people uh, in a study. Uh, Bradyarrhythmia, slow heartbeat, uh, 28 people. That's not statistically valid. Usually we want 30 to 40 to be statistically valid. Pneumothorax or a puncture of the lungs in 12 patients. Chronic hepatitis in 81 patients. Pancreatitis, so inflammation of the pancreas in 128 patients was, were in the study. Subjects, we should say, not patients, subjects in the study. Hyperlipidemia, 20. And then uh, modified Formula, so modified shui fuju yutang was used to treat headache due to blood stagnation, vascular headache, insomnia, phlebitis, which is inflammation of the, of the veins, mammary gland hyperplasia, chronic pelvic, inf pelvic inflammatory disease, concussion, cerebral atherosclerosis. With That one added ear acupuncture into that, so that's interesting, and I, I think it's a good combination. Schizophrenia, endometriosis, and amenorrhea following miscarriage, so lack of menstruation after miscarriage. Uh, so those are all studies that are referenced in Chen Chen. I didn't do uh, a big overview of this in the science, so I, I need to do that in the future as well. So there we go. That's the science. There are some drug-herb interaction issues. We have some cytochrome P450 interactions to be worried about. Again, that just indicates an increased risk for drug herb interactions. It doesn't say there will be. Um, Dongwe uh, has um, some P, uh, CYP or cytochrome P450 interactions. It also inhibits P glycoprotein, which is uh, uh, something else that we look at for drug herb interactions. And may potentiate warfarin, so you shouldn't be taking uh, Dongwe with warfarin. Gansau or licorice. Uh, there was one case of congestive heart failure and hypokalemia, so too little um, potassium in a patient taking Gonsal, furosemide, which is Lasix as a drug, and digoxin, which is a drug for arrhythmias, and it may increase blood pressure and fluid retention when used with oral contraceptives. And finally, Sheng Diwang also, all three of these had some cytochrome P450 interactions, and Sheng Diwang did as well. And finally, Churchow, uh, that's the red peony, has an antiplatelet effect and should be used with caution in those taking anticoagulants or antiplatelets. There are, so we, we, we did mention some concerns about this formula. Let's go into those in a little bit more depth. Shide has the following concern, Shine and his team. Because the actions of this formula is invigorating the blood and dispelling blood stasis are very strong, it is contraindicated during pregnancy and in most cases that involve excessive menstrual bleeding as well as in the weak or debilitated. It is also contraindicated in cases with bleeding diathesis or any active hemorrhagic disorder. Chen Chen has similar concerns saying Shui Fuzhu Yutang is contraindicated in pregnancy and in cases of hypermenorrhea, so too much menstruation because this formula strongly activates blood circulation and removes blood stasis. If this formula is to be taken for a prolonged period of time, tonic herbs should be added accordingly. We did it right on time. I'm glad. I was a little worried we wouldn't get through everything. So, so let's summarize what we did today. So that was today's formula, Shreifuju Yutang, a very important formula for treating various forms of blood stagnation. We started by discussing the relatively modern author of this formula, Huang Qingren, and then we got into the formula, including its ingredients, commentary of the science, our, our concerns and cautions, as well as its potential drug interactions. All in all, another exploration of an interesting and very useful Chinese formula. On our next episode, in two weeks, we're gonna be looking at a new herb, Sang Erzao, or Xanthium herb. It's the whole herb. If this sounds familiar, we have discussed Sang Erdze, or Xanthium fruit, when we discussed the formula Sang Erdze San, or Xanthium powder.
That formula used the fruit of this plant. In our upcoming episode, we will discuss the whole plant, the whole herb. Is there a difference in functions? Is there a difference in toxicity? Why would we use one instead of the other? Let's find out the answers to these questions in two weeks. And as always, we will look at something a little different. Join us in two weeks for another interesting episode. I would really like to thank you very much for, for listening. If you like this podcast, please do us a humongous favor. Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. That would just make my day. So thank you in advance. And remember, you can get CUs and NCCAOM PDAs. That's National Certification Commission of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine professional development activities, as well as continuing education units at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org. Put a slash Y, W-H-Y after that. Then you can get that third off of that why, not how do herbs work. You can also get in touch, always get in touch with me at drgreg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, www.spurbsherbs.com. Thank you very much for the 50th episode. And as always, we have a bibliography. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Timothy Dobbins. Roger Campbell.